0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What do you what have you seen so far growth wise from TJ Warren from Playing at Phoenix? And what do you think the ceiling is for a guy like TJ Warren?
2: Frankly, to me, I think he's you know, it's hard for me to, off the top of my head, I would say he's the most underrated player in the league.
1: What is going on, Pacer Nation? Pacers basketball is officially back. Saturday against the Philadelphia 76ers. And here to talk about that game with me and talk about all things Pacers is my man, my co-host Mike Focci. Focci, what's going on, brother?
3: Alex, I know I say I'm jacked up at times. I cannot be any more jacked up than real Pacer basketball. Not the scrimmages that look like, you know, very rinky-dinky, look like we were maybe playing in China. You got the fake Zoom crowd. No, these are real (laughs) games that mean something now. So, I'm excited. Yeah,
1: and and, th- and this is a pretty big game too if you're talking seeding-wise because oh, yeah. the Pacers currently have the 5th seed and uh, Philadelphia 6 and they're, they're right behind us and I think percentage-wise of have you looked at that recently percentage-wise in the standings?
3: So the Pacers and Sixers have the same record. Pacers currently have the edge right now. Season series, they've won 2 to 1. This game, right. you win this, you win the season series.
1: Yeah, and if we lose it, then I think Philadelphia wins it because of their strength of schedule against teams in the Eastern Conference, from what I've heard from other podcasts. But that sides the point, you know, big opportunity here. But have we heard any more updates, Bachi, on Victor Oladipo's status, if he's playing we or not?
3: have not. And I, I cannot believe that it's going to come down of a wire, because I don't want to be the guy that's saying, like, you don't need to make it this dramatic, announcing if you're going to play at the last second, like... Come on, you just suited up for three scrimmage games. We're all assuming that you're playing, but we want to hear it from you, Vic. So I'm yeah, hoping that yeah. that comes any minute, at least by Friday, not Saturday right. morning.
1: Yeah, so if you're listening to this Thursday night or Friday morning, we are recording this Thursday afternoon around 5 o'clock. So we still do not have any update on Elodipo. So if there is one, you know, we don't want to jump too far into it. But I do think that it is necessary that we talk about how important it is for Victor to play. Whether we find out later today or not, it's just it is imperative that he plays because with Sabonis out, Fachi, our our team is just desperate for some guys that can really facilitate and create shots. And if you're if you if you're without both the guys you traded Paul George for, going into the
3: the regular season in the playoffs, uh, it's not going to be a very fun experience. I know. I mean, when I said that you know bold prediction that I could see T.J. Warren leading this team and scoring the playoffs. It was also assumed that you know there would be some other guys there, and not that he would have to lead us in scoring by default. You remove Sabonis and Oladipo away from this Pacers team. I'm gonna be honest; there's no way around it. I don't feel confident in them even winning a playoff game. You know, it, it would be that wow. tough. I know it, it sounds bold, but when you're talking about a, a Pacers team that got swept two of the last three, you know, years, I signs don't point to winning more games if you remove Sabonis and Oladipo
1: yeah that's that's a that's an obviously great point and um yeah well let's talk about life with Oladipo uh life with Miles Turner at the five by himself Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup you know we're going small ball here and, and our first matchup is against a team that's got a lot of big players on it but the the ers sixers too have adjusted their lineup like we've talked about. Shake Milton will now be starting at point guard, so Aaron Holiday will probably draw that assignment. Then you'll see Oladipo on Josh Richardson. Probably, I would I would assume you're going to see Warren on Tobias Harris, and then you'll probably see Brogdon on Ben Simmons would be my guess. And and then we're going to have the matchup that I don't think Miles Turner is ready for, and that's the Joel Embiid Miles Turner matchup, which. That, that just makes me nervous. I don't know if Embiid's healthy or not. I know that he was dealing with some health issues and had set out some of the scrimmage games. So, determining whether he plays or not, that's going to determine how I think the Pacers do in this game.
3: I strongly feel that Embiid is, is playing. I think that they nursed his injury correctly. You know, before COVID hit, Embiid was one of those guys that was looking at missing a few weeks. Same with Simmons. And I think that this is a team now that is getting healthy. I think Philadelphia has underperformed all year. And we've talked about for you know at least the last two years now on the show. Embiid has had Miles Turner's number. He's had the Pacers number. And I don't feel good about that matchup at all because we're talking about the Pacers lead the season series two to one. Well, those two wins came without Embiid. And the Sixers win that they yeah. had, Embiid had thirty two and eleven, and he went fifteen of fifteen from the free throw line. So that right there says a lot. He's vital to that team. And Alex what terrifies me the most, if Miles Turner gets in foul trouble, it ain't looking good from there on out because Jakar and TJ <laughs> Leaf are not going to be able to pick up that slack, especially, you know, going against a big like Embiid. And it just it feels like we're we're pretty thin at center behind Turner with you know the the injury news on Goga is very unclear. We have no idea. Yeah. And even if he is healthy, let's be honest, he hasn't had enough minutes and reps under his belt to be able to plug in for a large expanded time and expect results
1: yeah i think the only thing you can you know get out of gogo is just size and yes. that's something he's got weight and height wise on jakar and tj so you know even without Embiid, you know it the, the 76ers have a guy in Al horford who is a very accomplished center and a post player our bench uh, trying to defend out Horford is going to be a nightmare in itself, Fod. So, you know, excuse me, I'm not I'm not feeling too great about this game here. But, you know, it's uh it's one of those things where I'm just excited. Pacers basketball is back, and I just kind of want to see how they look because we haven't really got a fair look at what this small ball lineup will look like against you know a team that they're going to be seeing in the in the first round possibly.
3: No, it's true. The small ball lineup. Is interesting to see. I mean, they had to shake it up. It feels like, you know, the loss of Sabonis, what are you going to be able to do to to supplement for that? And going small allows this team to be a lot faster. Uh, Shout out to uh, Tony East. I saw him crunching some numbers and it said that the Pacers were running the sixth fastest pace in in uh, the the preseason, you no, know, not the preseason. The scrimmages it felt like preseason, <laughs> yeah. Um, and pre-season. that was you know that was way faster than in the season where I believe they were running like the twenty fourth. I don't know if you want to say twenty fourth fastest lineup, maybe the twenty fourth slowest. I don't know. However you want to put it, but the Pacers yeah. are moving faster. But is it sustainable? I mean, we're talking about three yeah. scrimmages here. It's as small of a sample size as can be. It's going to be interesting to see. Because right now we don't really have many other options.
1: Yeah, no, we don't. This is the option we are we have with the small lineup. I mean, we don't have a lot of different variations of ways we can play. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be a big opportunity, not only for, you know, Miles and Aaron Holiday, but I, I think a guy like T.J. McConnell is going to play a major part in how that second team looks because – You know, they they rely so much on Sabonis facilitating. I think this is going to be an opportunity for McConnell to get out there. Now, I know he's not a threat from deep, and that's why kind of playing a bigger team like Philly in the playoffs makes me nervous too because they can kind of take that away. But I think if you go up against a Boston or a Miami, a team that's got, you know, decent bench players, but they're not going to scare you. I think Miami's bench with Goran Dragic is probably a little bit more intimidating than – you know, a uh, uh, Carson Edwards and a Brad Wanamaker type from from Boston. Not not that Boston has any issues, like, as far as their lineup goes. So they have a good team. I'm just saying their bench is a little bit weaker, and I think McConnell would have his way. I'm, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. I want to play Boston. I just think the matchup fits us best. Um, the other two matchups make me a little nervous with Miami and Philadelphia.
3: Yeah, rightfully so. I'm still Team Miami. I want the drama. I want the smoke, as they say, and I also just feel like Boston, I don't know, it it scares me. I feel like they were hitting their stride where I feel like Miami was kind of, they got off that really hot start. And also, as I pointed out, Miami is one of the worst road teams of any playoff teams. I mean, they Um, are. Everybody's
1: on the road. (laughs) Everybody's on
3: the road now. But I think at least the Pacers were a winning team on the road. Miami's road record was atrocious. But going back to TJ McConnell, loved what I saw the last two games. First game against Portland, struggled a little bit shooting wise, still had six assists. The way that McConnell ran the second unit in that Spurs game was just unbelievable. I mean, fourteen and eleven, you know, he shot efficiently, six of nine, but he's making these these dime passes even on the ground. It's like he's just that scrappy guy that you love to have and I love having him just lead that second unit. I mean, by moving Aaron Holiday to you know, the starting lineup, it feels like it's it's truly McConnell's time to shine in that second unit and lead it. Not that you know Aaron Holiday is a great facilitator, but I just feel like TJ McConnell just showed his value in the scrimmage games. One of the very bright spots of this Pacers team.
1: There's no doubt about it. And then the other person I think that's going gr- to get a great opportunity here is Justin Holiday, the brother of Aaron. And we know what Justin was capable of, and I think that McMillan is going to rely upon his veterans to bring him through tough moments when whenever there might be some foul trouble with Miles, uh going up against Biggs, you know, just just the nature of the beast. You have to find a different way to play. I could see them going super small, maybe putting Justin out there. You know, I don't I don't see him trusting TJ Leaf very much in a playoff no, series. No. So I, I could see them kind of getting freaky weird with Justin Holliday. T.J., you know, that lineup, that'd be interesting. I mean, but, you know, it's just going to be – it's going to be a different adjustment. I'm excited to see uh, the news about Sabonis, if we're even going to be able to see him in the playoffs at all or not. And I, I, I want to get into this, spot, but I know that we have a guest coming on here, so we'll save it for our third and final segment. But I want to talk about would it be smart to bring Sabonis back, even if it's just for the playoffs uh, with the plantar fasciitis, you know, And I'm just going to kind of tease it a little bit because I think that it's very important that we discuss whether it makes sense to bring him back. Should we let Sabonis sit it out and just say, well, write it out this year because we're not contenders this year? Or do you bring him back to try to win a series and feel better about yourself and feel like you're making progress? So we'll, we'll, we'll come back and talk about that. But, Foch, to end this segment, you know, 76ers, I want your predictions for this game and your X factor for this game.
3: It sounds rough, but I think the Pacers dropped this one. I think there's still a little bit – there's lineup tinkering that needs – I know, I know, but there's lineup tinkering that needs to be done. They need to be able to figure themselves out. The small ball lineup, will it be effective or not? You know, guys need to adapt bigger roles like a Jakar Samson. You know, I really want to see – the Miles Turner that we've seen so far in the scrimmages, I've loved. I want to see – how he matches up against Embiid in this, because if he can't match up against Embiid well, I, I fear that you know if he gets into foul trouble, the, the Pacers are in a big trouble at center. Uh, Miles has the opportunity for an expanded role, so I want to see it. That's the key matchup for the Sixers game. Unfortunately, I think the Sixers take it.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to kind of cop out here a little bit. I think if Oladipo's in and, and Embiid's out, I think the Pacers win. If Embiid's in and Oladipo are both in, I think Sixers win. And if Oladipo is out, <laughs> then the Pacers lose this game. Yeah. So, you know, I just I think a lot of it just depends on Embiid. I would like to see Miles, you know, kind of spread Embiid out of that floor, mm-hmm. allow for more driving lanes and not not play the Sabonis rule, but play his role as a as a stretch five and allow for more driving lanes. I'd like to see that happen if if Embiid does and in fact play. But yeah, I mean I think even if Embiid does play, if if they can figure out a way to double down on him, double team him and, you know, not let Turner just be on Embiid Island by himself and get in foul trouble. I think they're going to have to schematically figure out ways to get the ball out of, it, out of his hands and make guys like Shake Milton and Josh Richardson beat you. You know, we know Ben Simmons is a capable basketball player. Tobias Harris, same thing. I, I just really want to make sure that we, you know, don't allow Embiid the torch just like he has because, When Embiid's on his game, I mean, he's tough to stop. So cop-out answer, but, you know, I just think the Pacers are going to be hurting center depth-wise without Sabonis.
3: I think so. I, I, I fear it. I really hope we can see a little bit more of Sabonis, but we will be covering that coming right up.
1: Alrighty, everybody, what is going on? In our next segment, we're going to be joined today by the one and only Sam Amico from Amico Hoops. You guys uh, know him on Twitter. does a great job covering the NBA. So, Sam, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks a lot
2: for having me. Happy to be
1: here. Absolutely. So, I, I got to ask you, first things first, you know, this is a Pacers podcast. So, with that being said, you know, the Pacers are in the bubble. Now they found out some bad news about Demontis Sabonis with his plantar fasciitis, where he's going to be missing some significant time and now they're playing a little bit of a different style of basketball so let me ask you this you know when you've seen the Pacers throughout the year and then a few times in the scrimmages what do you think about this Pacers team and what do you think the real expectations are
2: you know the, the one thing that since Nate McMillan has taken over and, and he's been this way everywhere he's gone when he was in Seattle and Portland same type of thing his teams are going to fight you to the death, regardless of who's on the floor. We saw that uh, when, when Oladipo came over in the trade at first, how they played LeBron James and the Cavs in that first-round series, went down to the wire, you know, seven games. Every game was nip and tough um, And, and, and uh, then, of course, this past year when Oladipo was still working his way back from the injury, uh, I, I guess I should say earlier this year, this season, They still were fighting, scratching, and clawing, and I I really credit a lot of that to Nate McMillan uh, and the mindset uh, that that he has his guys in. So I don't suspect that that's going to change even without the bonus. With you know Oladipo, uh, the situation being Murphy, whether he's going to play, whether he's going to play just limited minutes, um, you know whether the Pacers are in shape as McMillan has alluded to, that they may not be in tip-top exactly right now. Uh, I I still think that they're a team that nobody is going to want to see Mm. for that reason because you know when you face the Pacers under Nate McMillan, you're going to be in for a battle. Uh, His teams just don't quit, and I think that that's probably going to be their strongest point. How far can that take them? Uh, it's, It's hard to say, you know. I think the bubble is a perfect situation uh, with no real home court advantage for a underdog team to kind of make a little bit of a Cinderella run. Uh, but, you know, I think for the Pacers to do that, they're going to need Polar Depot to be pretty good uh, and, and playing a lot of minutes. And I think, obviously, they're going to need the bonus stats um, to really make that type of Cinderella run. If not, they're going to give whoever their opponent is, I suspect, how they can handle regardless of where they are in the playoff.
3: Oh, definitely. The Pacers have never been one to just roll over and die for anyone, but one of the guys that you just brought up, Victor Oladipo. Sam, you know, in your extensive time covering the NBA, what do you make of the current Oladipo Pacers situation? Because you have, you know, Richard Jefferson, uh, who does a pretty good job, I'd say, of covering the NBA, saying that it feels like a Kawhi Leonard like Spurs situation. I mean, Vic is going to be a free agent after next season. What is the outside perception on the Pacers and Victor Oladipo's relationship at this moment?
2: From everything that I can hear, the people that I've talked to a little bit about it uh, throughout the league, frankly, most of them think he likes being that main guy there. And, you know, I mean, remember when he was traded there, People were like, really, that's all they got for Paul George? Um, And you get the sense that he does like it there, being an Indiana guy, um, and that he's just fine with being kind of looked at as their star. You know, if Oladipo were to go to, say, a team like, just totally hypothetically, right now go to the Los Angeles Lakers, well, he suddenly turned wheel. You know, I mean, that's LeBron's team, then it's Anthony Davis' team, and, and Oladipo is like, yeah, that guy's pretty good, too. If he goes to a team uh, like the Warriors when they're healthy with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, Oladipo's third wheel, maybe he doesn't even start in that situation. Maybe he's fourth wheel behind Andrew Wiggins, you know. So I think that for the most part, if the painters continue to do what they're doing and that's playing hard, uh, you know, overachieving in the eyes of some. I, I, I don't think they're going to have any worries about Sola Depot leaving, especially when you factor in that they can pay him more than anybody else can pay him. And they do, they are competitive. This isn't a team that tanks. This isn't a team that says, let's fight for draft picks. Uh, and, and guess what? They have a young and rising all-star, obviously, in Sabonis. Now, you're going to want that third kind of star to, you know, if you want to, really want to compete for a championship. Although, in today's NBA, you're not going to get that very often, especially with the climate, financial climate being what it is because of the coronavirus. You know, we're reading things about teams needing a splash payroll. This may be a two-star lead uh, to, to contend for a title. So, <clears throat> I, I, I frankly think from the conversations I've had and just observing uh, uh, I, I frankly think the the odds greatly favor Oladipo staying there. I don't I don't think I don't think this knee thing is is you know I mean his knee injury was way more severe than Kawhi Leonard's was when he was with the Spurs, and I don't I don't think Oladipo doesn't want to play. I just think he he I, I truly believe he's being cautious, and frankly has every reason to be uh, in this type of situation.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. The only thing I think was a little bit weird was the timing of him going to Shamshirania, saying he wasn't going to play, and then decides, oh, I actually am going to play once an article comes out about him maybe losing $3 million. So I think if you like go back and just don't ever have that report from Shamshirania, everyone's on board with Vic. But because of that report, I think it just kind of made fans a little bit un- uncertain of what to expect going into this bubble and then going into next season when victor becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2021 but i gotta talk to you a little bit about a, a guy the Pacers acquired in the off during draft night and that's tj warren a guy the phoenix suns completely gave up on and just said here we'll give you tj warren and our second round pick which was a 32nd overall pick uh for cash and it was a kind of a shocker we're like that's all the Pacers had to give up to get tj warren um, and and this guy has been so consistent, so good for the Pacers. What do you what have you seen so far growth wise from T.J. Warren from playing at Phoenix? And what do you think the ceiling is for a guy like T.J. Warren?
2: Well, first of all, I, you know, even before I came on here uh, earlier this season, I was just talking with one of the other writers um, from from the Cleveland area, and, and we were actually just talking about that exact trade. Like, can you believe that's all the Pacers had to give up to get him? Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you think the Suns feel right now watching the way he plays? Frankly, to me, I think he's, you know, it's hard for me to, off the top of my head, I would say he's the most underrated player in the league, has has been the most underrated player in the league this past season anyway. And um, he's just been a perfect fit there, too. He's a low-key guy, um, and, and, you know, he plays for a low-key coach, and, They play a very low key style, and I think it was made clear to CJ Warren that uh, we're going to need somebody to pick up the scoring slack. We know you have that ability. He showed that ability in Phoenix from time to time, Um, you know, particularly before Booker got there or before Devin Booker kind of ascended. uh, Warren was kind of their main guy, and and I, I just think he truly is one of those underrated players who's playing in a middle-sized market for a team uh, franchise that doesn't get a ton of love nationally, uh, but is doing a fantastic job and is just going to work every day, uh, vastly underrated. And, you know, that's one of the big reasons that they were going to have hope with Oladipo if Oladipo were not going to play was the fact that, you know, the way that Warren has played all season. So, yeah, vastly underrated. Uh, Like I said, been very consistent and a veteran and it uh, doesn't force a thing. You know, you see scores sometimes, they're gonna force stuff sometimes and he has not done that. He has been everything's been within the flow of the offense and uh really just a just an outstanding pickup. And, you know, I, I think at the time the Pacers were kinda of serious. Is he gonna fit? Is he gonna is he gonna be a guy who, who works out? You know, he's got that upside. But uh the, the answers to those questions have been yes. And he, he really, especially with the bonus situation or with the depot situation, uh, Warren's really the Pacers' greatest reason for hope going into this restart.
3: Yeah, the T.J. Warren acquisition was one that kind of went under the radar, and I feel like a lot of people had a perception, maybe a great scorer on a on a bad team, or a guy who maybe doesn't defend well, but I think he's rewritten all of those stereotypes he has been a great addition to the team, very efficient, and their leading scorer. So, just shows uh, you know how undervalued he was to Phoenix. But someone right now who has an opportunity to prove a lot of value, who drew a lot of criticism all year, Miles Turner. His usage rate has been down this year, and Sabonis obviously he was an All Star this year, played very well. Without Sabonis, assuming that he probably does not return, Miles Turner has a big opportunity here to flourish. Do you think that it is sustainable to be paying Miles Turner and Sabonis what we are paying them moving forward for the next three to four years? Because, you know, there has been a perception around the league that Miles Turner is a coveted trade piece and the Pacers have been reluctant to move him. Do you think this is a big opportunity for Turner to take advantage of right now? And can he?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, he certainly can. I mean, he's young, he's athletic. Uh, he can, you know, he can make shots from the outside. He, he's a good enough defender. Um, it's a, it, it just comes down to consistency. Can he? They don't need him to be an all star. They just need him to be a good starter, um, which he in. Now at this point, like you mentioned, if Sabonis is out, they need him to step into that role, step up a little bit more. I think Turner's game has gotten better as the bonus has gotten better because uh, you know you have that extra threat. Uh, in the front court, and and a real legitimate threat in Sabonis, which has kind of opened things up for Turner a little bit. Um, And I think that he's capitalized. I thought he was having a nice season uh, for the most part uh, up until the hiatus, Turner. So, um, yeah, you know, and and they've been reluctant to trade him. I know that the Cavs were talking to them before the trade deadline, and we're going after Turner. Uh, right up, and you know, and then the Cavs ended up trading for Andre Drummond, but uh, they they had been having some serious talks with the Pacers too, and I I think the Pacers weren't going to relent uh, on just you know what the Cavs were offering, which was basically salary relief. Um, so I, I I think yes, this is a golden opportunity for Turner to, to kind of step up, show that he's going to be a big part of things moving forward. Um, I, I think that you know guys, the the, the one thing about the Pacers that I've noticed, and I think a lot of people around the league notice, guys like Turner and and, and T.J. Warren and Oladipo and Sabonis uh, and Malthus and Malcolm Brogdon, all those guys kind of fit so well into their culture. And it's kind of weird because we hear about you know how the Spurs have always had this culture, uh, and a strong culture, and, and several other teams, Golden State has always had a strong culture, Boston. Uh, I I think Indiana's up there. Now, they don't have, again, they don't have the star power or kind of that sizzle that those other teams have, Uh, but they do have a very understated culture, and and guys like Turner uh, fit that very well, so I think they're going to be very apprehensive to give up on him. Uh, But, look, these seeding games and these playoffs are going to tell us a lot uh, about what the Pacers are going to do with guys particularly like Miles Turner uh, during the offseason and, and moving into next year.
1: All right, Sam. Well, my last question for you here. So, are, the Pacers open up Saturday night against the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, the Sixers have been kind of a, a little bit of a letdown this year. They've had some injuries. They, you know, they didn't fit as well as some people thought they might with Al Horford and Embiid uh, and in the front court together. And so they've made some changes and. You know, a lot of people are still kind of picking them as maybe a sleeper team in the Eastern Conference that could give Milwaukee and Toronto and the the upper echelon teams a little bit of a run for their money. You know, if Simmons and Embiid play at their at their best level. So the Pacers, though, you know, they've they've gone up against Philadelphia, a, a tough game for them for sure, especially size wise, with no Sabonis and no true backup center. Have to play six foot seven Jakar Sampson, a backup center, and uh, hope that T.J. Leaf never has to see the floor. So it's, it's one of those things where the Pacers are just so, you know, they're so thin at, at the center position right now. But as far as matchup-wise goes, we've been talking about this on different platforms, but I'm just curious, when you look at the teams in the Eastern Conference around that three, four, five, six range, Boston, Miami, and, and Philadelphia, who do you think is the best fit matchup-wise for the Pacers heading into the playoffs?
2: I think the Pacers could give Philadelphia six, uh, number one, because... Uh, you know, the difference is in kind of the, I, I'd almost say the approach, you know, the, the, the Pacers do not have the, the superstar sizzle, and, and they kind of function better as a unit. Um, they may not be as talented as Philadelphia, but again, like you said, the, the, the Sixers up until this point, up until the hiatus, had been somewhat of a letdown, weren't really clicking the way people suspected they would click um, and I just think that, that, that Indiana matches up with them best simply because they just you know the Pacers or I'm sorry the Sixers have uh, kind of an ability to suspect that they could self-destruct a little bit and um, I don't think Indiana isn't going to self-destruct against anyone but uh, I, I just think you get an edge when you play a team like that because you frustrate them, you're playing hard, you're playing smart, like the Pacers have tended to do this year and under Nate McMillan. So I think that that would be their biggest edge is you could create some kind of uh, dissension <laughs> among the Sixers, which almost seems like it's, it's easy to do. That, that, that's not to say they're a train wreck, uh, but they're just probably more vulnerable, I think, the Sixers are, than the, than the Heat. Uh, who obviously very well coached and uh, have tons of really good role players around Jimmy Butler and the Celtics, you know, obviously, again, very well coached and um, are, are kind of still growing into who they are with, with Kemba Walker. So I, I think the Celtics are, are better than they were last year. I think they're better with Kemba Walker. Uh, he's a better fit with, with Tatum and Brown than, uh, than a Kyrie Irving. So, I think if you're Indiana, you know if you can get Philly in that first round, which the way things are going, you you might. That that would probably be beneficial to you, and you feel a series here, and then see what happens after that.
3: Yeah, Sam, I was saying earlier, I want no part of Boston. You know, we got swept by Boston last year, but I feel like this is not the same Jason Tatum of last year. To close out, you know, the the reg- before COVID happened, he was on fire, and I, I fear that he would be quite a handful in that series. So I'm more leaning towards Miami. But I want to get your finals prediction as we wrap up. Who do you think are the two teams that make the finals, and who do you think takes it all?
2: Well, I mean, the, the obvious pick is the Lakers and the Bucks. Um That would be my gut feeling. Although I, I hear what you're saying about the Celtics, and I, I kind of it's just to be different. And I hate to pick against Milwaukee because, um, their team that reminds me, you know, Indiana very much reminds me of kind of that mid market size team. Uh, you don't have guys, superstars flocking to go there in free agency. Um, but you know, I I just think that Boston is due. I really do. I think that, and I think Milwaukee can do the same thing next year, get the, the, past regular season record, and not go to the finals again um, because they're a younger team and still kind of growing. Milwaukee is, um, so I I I'm going to say Lakers and Boston, which um, you know a lot of people would be happy about considering that huge rivalry uh, would be my guess. And I also think the Clippers very well could unseat the Lakers. You know the the, the Clippers if Kawhi Leonard can, can neutralize LeBron, which we've seen him be able to do before, that is going to change the entire face of the Lakers. I don't care about Anthony Davis and all those other guys. If, if if Kawhi Leonard can neutralize LeBron in the playoffs, remember, nobody in that series or any series is going to have quote-unquote home-sport advantage. So mm-hmm. I think that that really takes that element away from it. So... <clears throat> You just wanted a short answer, probably, and I rambled on for 10 minutes. But I will tell you, I'm just going to go with the Lakers and Celtics for right now, and I'm going to pick the Lakers to win it all, to the disappointment of many, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no Pacer fans want to see LeBron James hold up another NBA Finals trophy, and I think think there's a little bit too much drinking the Kool-Aid of the Boston Celtics. I've been hearing a lot of people, well, I think the Celtics are the biggest threat to the – to the Bucks, but I'm telling you, Sam, nobody's talking about the defending champs, the Toronto Raptors. They are deep. They've got guys that can play, you know, at so many different levels and they can play so many different styles of basketball. I want to see, I want to see a Toronto Clippers NBA finals, Kawhi versus the team he left. I think that'd be a fun matchup but yeah, I really do honestly believe I didn't have Toronto even making the playoffs this year because I thought they were going to trade away all their veterans. I did say that, but I'm jumping ship. I've got the COVID in me, so you know I've 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 <laughs> sat down for four months and thought about it. So I've got those coronavirus vibes, and I'm 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 feeling I'm just feeling like Toronto. You know, Canada has been laughing at the USA this whole time <laughs> handling this virus, so. Uh, you know, Toronto is my, my sleeper pick to come out of the Eastern Conference.
2: Well, Toronto is a good pick because, um, they, like you said, they really can't play any style. They play extremely hard. They do have enough veterans. They've got good depth. Uh, Nick Nurse does an underrated job with them, and it would be fun. They're a fun team, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. A lot of people, I mean, really, I, I think you know, I'm even guilty of kind of counting them out. Uh, already, but no, I, I think those kind of teams have been pounded out all year. Uh, they should be, they should, you should be wary of them, and and certainly Toronto is up there. They're they're a fun team to watch too.
3: I'm guilty of it, like watching paint dry. I'm going with the most boring answer out there. I just think Bucks versus Lakers, and uh, I think the Lakers could. I think the champions coming out of the West this year. That's what I'm going to say. If it's not the Lakers, I think it's the Clippers. Unfortunately. Yeah, well,
2: yeah, maybe maybe we'll get a Rockets Raptors or something, a Rockets Pacers, Jazz Pacers. Yeah. How's that sound? The two, the two
1: yeah. anyone has like the
3: Pacers. It. Anyone?
1: <laughs> yeah. me. I don't want to see the Rockets <laughs> or the Jazz in the finals. But anyway, <laughs> Sam, thank you so much. You guys can follow him once again on Twitter. Does a great job writing for uh, SI.com. It's at Amico Hoops. A M I C O Hoops. H O O P S. Thanks again, Sam. We appreciate you coming on.
3: Thanks a lot, Sam.
2: All right. Thanks a lot for having me, guys.
1: Great stuff there by Sam Amico. I want to thank him once again for coming on. I really enjoyed listening to him talk about the NBA and especially the Pacers. Had some really nice things to say there, Foch. But it's time to move on like we teased about in the in the first segment. If Sabonis is you know able to come back for the playoffs, Fochie, do you risk – Sabonis getting injured and bringing him back into the bubble and putting
3: him into the playoff series. There's no easy way to say this, but I do risk it, Alex, because we just gave him a four-year contract. The man is being taken care of. This is not a situation where we could be, you know, potentially ruining the relationship or anything. He got his contract, and I think that, let's be honest, I think Nate McMillan's job could be on the line. You get swept again you lose, it gets to a point where, you know, we were talking about the Raptors earlier. Dwayne Casey, great coach. The man could not get it done, and they brought in someone who could. Now, I don't know if there's a coach out there right now that that can necessarily, quote, get it done, but I do believe that there are people that can get us out of the first round, and if you don't have Sabonis out there on the court, I, I hope that the players believe that we can get out of the first round because I know that to the media and everybody else, the odds are definitely stacked against the Pacers. So I think if Sabonis is able to go, you know, I think you got to put him out there. But the, the Pacers staff they will know if he is nowhere going to be near as effective as he was before, then it doesn't make sense.
1: Well, yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a good point. I I think when you talk about Sabonis, number one, I think you leave it up to him. If he feels like he's able to play and he's able to get out there, I think you do it. And I also you know, if the Pacers have success with Sabonis out as miles of the five, you know, I would I would consider saying, hey, you know, Domas, you're not in great game shape yet. We're going to bring you off the bench and-, and let him run the second unit like he has been, you know, just limit his minutes because of the plantar fasciitis. Don't put too much wear and tear on it. But I also think that it's, it's smart in a way because anytime you can upgrade your backup center position, you have to do it. And Sabonis was an all-star this year. He's arguably the most important pacer on this roster, which I still think he is. And that's not discrediting only Oladipo, but I just mean for what the Pacers have done, the success they've had this year, most of it has run through Sabonis and you know, the consistency you get from him, while that might, you know, raise your raise your ceiling, it definitely elevates your floor. So, you know, with Sabonis, you know what you're gonna get. You know the consistency you're gonna get. And he plays hard. He's a great he's a great basketball player. So I I'm not trying to diss on Jakar Sampson or anything like that, but I mean, if you can throw in some bonus, even if it's just for 15, 20 minutes a game compared to to Jakar or, you know, play Jakar more at the four if somebody gets in foul trouble, I think you have to consider it. But it's also smart to be cautious and let him make the decision and, and be smart about it. Like you said, you did just pay him a four year contract botch, but you know, a little bit devil's advocate to what you said, you don't want to hurt him long term. Mm-hmm. You know, you have him locked up for a while because you want him to be uh, you you believe he is a pivotal part of this team's success. And if he's constantly dealing with those foot issues because he re-aggravates it or eventually ends up tearing that fasciitis, that's going to cause worse injuries for the next season. So I say let him let him decide and play it smart. And, you know, you, you're not going to get any worse by throwing Sabonis in there. But like I said, just remember this point, people. If Turner does great and the Pacers play great with that starting five that they're going to go into on Saturday with no Sabonis, bring Sabonis off the bench, don't fudge the chemistry up, and and just let him gradually come back into it because he will not be in game shape.
3: I completely agree. I mean, there's going to be a big level of rust on Sabonis if he comes back, period. So when you're talking about 15 to 20 minutes, I think that's pretty much the most that we should expect if he comes back, you know, being able to lead that second unit pretty much like he was able to do last year, I think would be huge. There's so much value that he brings to the team. The points, the rebounds, the assists, the screens, it's everything. I mean, we've seen Sabonis get a double-double in, you know, what feels like eight minutes, you know, or or a quarter almost. You know, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, we've seen it happen that quick that, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, you know, if Miles Turner gets into foul trouble, It's not good. And I tweeted out earlier this year, a little Jakar never hurt no one. Well, a lot of Jakar, it it, it could hurt a little bit. You know, I I love him. I love what he brings, but he's been great in short bursts where I just feel like if you're going to be playing Jakar, you know, 25 minutes, you know, anything like that, it's getting risky. It is. Uh, I mean, the the drop-off is big. Sabonis' IQ is just, it's through the roof. It's in his blood. I mean, it really is and you just can't replace that. So, he knows his body better than anyone. When they were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago that he couldn't put any weight on his feet to really run and all that, it just seems like such a a far-fetched scenario to see him then playing quality minutes for this Pacers team, especially when he's going to have to quarantine coming back in the bubble. I mean, the odds are slim. I would imagine if the Pacers were to make a run and get out of the first round, then it's possible that he probably plays. But... To be ready for the playoffs, I don't. I don't see
1: it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to believe right now. I just, I, I just want to see what the evaluation comes back. I want to see what what he thinks he he feels like he can do. It's it's all just up in the air right now. So, the biggest thing is Oladipo being healthy. I want to see him on the court for these you know eight seeding games and hopefully the playoffs. But if he's not there, I mean not that the Pacers are going to win a championship with Oladipo, but you're just, your competitive level just goes so far down your, your ceiling completely just becomes like a one story house with no uh, vaulted ceiling. It's just, you know, you ain't going anywhere basically is what I'm trying to say. So <laughs> I love the Pacers. I love rooting for these guys and I just want to see them continue to grow within. And honestly, big opportunity. We've been talking about guys with opportunities, Sam Amico talked about TJ Warren, arguably, you know, the most underrated player in the NBA is what he said. This is a big opportunity for TJ Warren to get some playoff experience. And I think if Oladipo does play, this'll be the best experience for Warren so he can just kind of get a taste of what it's like to to be in that moment and, and see the competitor that TJ Warren is. I
3: just I just want to see him thrive in that role. So do I because I feel like a guy like T.J. Warren who has lost so many games in Phoenix, you give that man a taste of the playoffs and he's never going to want to miss it again. And I, and I feel that that's something that T.J. Warren, I strongly believe, brings his A game come the seeding games and the playoffs. And it would just mean so much to see these Pacers be able to compete night in, night out, whether it's a seven-game series or moving on. You know, it's, you You want to be able to, to know, hey, they scratched, they clawed, we weren't healthy, but you know what? If you bring this group back, I think we can make a run. It feels like we've been saying that for the last few years. There's always someone feels like they're missing from the picture. But if you were only going to be out in four to five games, something's got to change. And and I think, unfortunately, you take that look at Nate McMillan, and, and it's rough because... He's respected, he's a great guy, but respected and being a great guy doesn't necessarily win playoff games.
1: Absolutely. Well, guys, this is going to wrap it up for our episode here today of Setting the Pace. If you want to catch a recap of the game on Saturday, you'll be able to hear me and Kent Sterling discuss that Sunday afternoon. But me and Fauci will be back. Uh, probably I would guess Tuesday or Wednesday would be the best day to record for next week flashes. We have back to back on Monday, Tuesday with the wizards magic. So we can talk about, you know, the Pacers and those two games right there, recap those two games and maybe preview some games coming up with the Lakers and the Suns. But yeah, you know, get a chance to see your depleted wizards up against our Pacers.
3: them.
1: And then we'll no. get to see my boy, Aaron Gordon, uh, ball out. Uh, against the Pacers in a loss but yeah so we'll we'll discuss those games but yeah so that sound good with you I mean I know we're just kind of doing this on the fly but I think that'd be any a perfect day way to go about
3: any day to talk Pacer basketball is a great day <laughs> bring it on
1: all right all right I love it I love it so guys make sure you you check that out and also I I, I gotta go ahead and plug this Tyler Tyler Smith you know our former uh co-host here with setting the pace is going to be going live on Saturday afternoon to preview the 76ers game. And, uh, I will be joining him for that. We'll be bringing different guests on as well. So, uh, if you guys are wanting to get some Pacers content, make sure you check out Tyler Smith at Tyler Smith underscore ISL for, uh, some live Twitter periscope, uh, conversations with different people just to kind of get ourselves ready for this first game. It's a big deal for all of Pacer nation to see the blue and gold back in action. And uh, the NBA thriving once again as one of the best sports in the entire world. So Facci, we uh, we gotta wrap this up here. So where can all the wonderful Pacer fans follow you at on social media?
3: At underscore F A C C I. You know you could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. Find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. And Alex, tell them where they could find you. You guys
1: can find me at Alex Golden NBA on Twitter. I uh, deleted my my Instagram account, but I definitely do check out Pacers Talk uh, frequently. So if you guys want to chat with me over there, you can chat over on Pacers Talk as well. And, um, yeah, sounds good, guys. So thanks so much again for checking out another episode of Setting the Pace. Thanks again to Sam Amico from Sports Illustrated for coming on. And we will talk to you all next week. Peace out,
3: Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers.